0: Good evening, everybody. And uh, hey, if those of you in morning service, how many people have a new battle cry to go fight for somebody or for something in the spirit? Uh, that was a great word on uh, going to fight for somebody and, and, and having an impact on somebody else or a small group of people and uh, make your, your life mean something. I, I appreciated that word. Well, tonight, as I said this morning, I want to talk to you about something that's going to set the stage for... For what we're going to do here the rest of the night, I want to. I I, I, I joked this morning. I'm, I'm I'm sounding like one of those televangelists uh, with a sermon title, but it's really why why don't we see more signs and wonders today? And uh, that, you know that. And I'm going to give you ten reasons why we don't. Which is even worse. Like a package CD, you know package. You we know, those little package you can send for just give me your offering and you're going to get that. You're going to get mailed to you. You know, 10 reasons why we don't see signs and wonders today. But I, I really do believe that God's given me some insight why we don't see more of the things that you read in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, and the things Paul alluded to in Romans 15, and other scriptures in the letters of the New Testament. Why don't we see more than that? And this is a constant question that uh, I'm usually asked. And and uh, usually when they're asking me this, they're saying, why don't we see more signs and wonders in this region of the world? I have a, a friend of mine, his name is Pastor David Freck. He pastors Church of the Harvest in um, uh, Olathe, I think, or Olathe, Kansas. is a suburb outside of Kansas City, and I've preached in his church before. But he was in uh, one African country here a year ago, and he had 500 recorded healings, 500 500 recorded healings. Craig Keener is a Baptist scholar and one who really does a lot of uh, writing concerning the working of the Holy Spirit, believes he could substantiate, in our time, 230 million healings globally. And so there are things going on around the world as Ben and I came back from Cambodia and Ben was sharing with you the reports of people being raised from the dead and what's just happening. And it's not from some secret, mysterious person. It's a guy that I know really well. It's just a common guy like you and I. You would enjoy having a cup of coffee with him. But over the phone, he had that phone put over somebody's body and he spoke in Jesus name and they came back to life two hours later and uh, that really happened it happened in the 21st century happened while you and I are watching TV or Netflix or something like that it it really happened but the question is usually why not in this region of the world the United States of America or Canada why is it always some far region on the on the edge of the earth how many people have ever asked this question why why not here why not now well I think it's a good question now, usually we go two extremes on this when we're asking this. We either go into a place of passivity. And what passivity is is that there is coming a move of God. There's coming this move of God, and it's not now. So, you know, when he moves, he will move, but he's not moving now. now that, that type of passivity bothers me in, in, in one sense and that it can just shift us into a place where we're going to wait the rest of our life for, for God to do something. And God is waiting for us to do something. And I don't believe, I really don't believe that position is the key to see the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I believe in seasons of favor and, and, and seasons of rain. But even the book of Zechariah in chapter 10, verse 1 using the agricultural cycles of the land of of Israel he said ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain in other words that was the spring rain season and and just don't assume it's going to show up seek it now the Holy Spirit's been poured out it happened almost 2,000 years ago in 30 AD and on the time of the Jewish feast Pentecost God poured out his spirit and so we're already involved in something that God's already doing called the working of the Holy Spirit. We think he just kind of did that and then sucked it all back up, you know, what wasn't taken, and he just dumps it down. And he sucks it back up, and, and only, only those are the takers in the season. He does it. and He throws it down and sucks it back up, you know. We, we kind of got that mindset sometimes. But He poured out his Spirit, and when we're at, going on mission trips, we're telling people that Jesus is here the kingdom of heaven is here because Jesus is here by the person of the holy spirit. And so we kind of take that passive delegating the move of god to some future event or we go to the other extreme and we get into legalism. We're trying to we're trying to get into a position to be used by abstaining from stuff. Well, I'm not you know, I just, I'm not going to watch TV anymore. I'm not going to eat hamburgers anymore. I'm not going to go to Dairy Queen anymore. I'm not going to You know, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to abstain and abstain. That's called asceticism, where I'm just going to kind of just deny and deny and deny myself. Actually, back in the Reformation or prior to, the great Augustinian monk by the name of Martin Luther. That's right, folks. Martin Luther was a Catholic before he was a Lutheran. (laughs) little joke there, a little theology church history joke. But he was, he was a Catholic. And he made this statement, he said, had I not gotten the revelation that saved by faith, monkery, or being a monk, would have killed me. Okay, because he was just trying by deny and give up and don't do this and don't do that. I'm going to get the Spirit of God to move or I'm gonna give up all my money or gonna sell my body to be burned or something like that. Now here, I wanna read you a scripture. You have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter three. Open up your phones. If you don't have a Bible, ask the person next to you to borrow theirs. That was supposed to be a joke too. We're gonna warm you up tonight. (laughs) We're gonna warm you up, getting kind of loose because the Holy Ghost is gonna move. Acts chapter three. Now what happened? They were going into the, the, the temple in the hour of the prayer. The church has been birthed. The early stages of it. Peter and John start entering into the temple. There's a man begging outside. And he says, alms for the poor. Now Peter says, I want you to look at me. Gaze at me, focus on me. And he says, listen, I don't have money. Shows you that they weren't really rich televangelists in those days. But what I have, I'm I'm gonna give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I want you to get up and walk right now. And this guy, boom, he, he gets up. He's been, he's been crippled, I believe, but check my facts out. I remember he's 38 years old. And so he spent almost past three decades being a cripple, and he's leaping, and he's hopping, and he's, he's doing Zimba, and Zumba, or whatever it is. He's in the temple. Everyone's gathering around. He's doing flips. He's doing splits. He's doing the floss. Is that what, how you do it? Okay, okay. All right, he's doing it. He's doing it all, and everyone's just amazed. And Peter, Peter says this to them. I'm reading out the uh, my newest thing, the NET, the New English Translation, because Sue bought this Bible for me. <laughs> Acts chapter three, verse twelve. When Peter saw this, he declared to the people, "Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? And why do you stare at us?" As if we had made this man walk by our own power or piety. So, wasn't that I gave up bubblegum? Wasn't that I gave up, you know, watching my favorite Ben show? Not that you're supposed to watch everything that's on TV, you, get, you understand what I'm saying. Not that I haven't, I haven't bought myself anything I like this year. And that's why God's moving by the power. It wasn't by this. It wasn't by anything of myself that this man is made well. But it came by the name of Jesus. And church, that's one of the things that we got to get down. It is Jesus who does the work. If you got anything understanding of Paul's language, it's Christ doing the work. It's Christ in you. It's Christ is everything. It's Jesus doing the work. It's Jesus through you. It's not you. Everyone say, it's not me. It's not me and it's not you. It's very important. God doesn't move where there is passivity because there's no faith for him to operate. There's no expectancy for him him to operate. But at the same time, abstaining from things involves things like pride, pride in my own works, pride in what I achieve. Let's just say I'm going to give up. I don't know why I'm on Dairy Queen right now. That's because I had cherry dip cone yesterday. I took my, my grandchildren to Dairy Queen. And I'm thinking, man, if I just deny Dairy Queen, God's gonna move by my power. And I see Pastor Darcy, and she's and she's has a dilly bar. I start thinking, man, God's not gonna use you, Darcy, eating that dilly bar. And somehow I'm posturing myself is more superior to her. And it leads into this pride thing. Who's gonna outfast who? Who's gonna out abstain who? Who's gonna who's gonna sacrifice this and that and the other? The Spirit doesn't move where there's pride. Galatians 5.16 says this. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So how do I defeat my sin nature? By following the leading and the influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's not by, you know, giving up dilly bars. It's by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, what produces fruit in your life by the work of the Spirit is the same principle and the same key is what releases the ministry of the Spirit through your life. It's following the leading of the Holy Spirit through your life. You say, well, I'm not worthy. And if, as fast as you can learn that, the better off you'll be. The more you can understand that you absolutely are not worthy You won't come up here and get me tears like, well, I'm not worthy. I would say, you're getting it. You're getting it. You're getting it. The light is starting to turn on. That's what I would say to you. You're on your way to God using you. You say, well, that's just so reversal. Absolutely, because the whole gospel is a reversal. And we think we get saved by faith, but everything else is us not eating dilly bars not having cable television, and driving an old car, so God's pleased with us. No, I like my old car. It runs better than most new cars, but you know, then God's going to really bless me. No, that's you. We want to follow the release of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at this, and these signs will accompany those who believe. That's really all I want you to focus on tonight, and this is in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up deadly things. They won't, they won't harm them, and Go on and on and on and on, but we're not going to break that down. It's just these signs will accompany those who believe, is what I want you to focus on. I want to give you 10 reasons. 10 reasons we don't see more signs and wonders. The first thing is this we think it's not needed. In other words, we have the Bible now. By the fourth century, the church canonized or they said these books measure up to what is authority, which is truly given to us by the apostles and given us, to us by God and given us by heaven. They gave us the canon of the scriptures. So we have that. And so we, we don't need the other right now. Or we have leadership consultants that will teach us how to move our church forward. And so we're gonna get their wisdom and strategies and, and all we're gonna have the best parking, the best door greeters, the best sermons, the best this, the best that. And I believe that we can do a lot of stupid things to get in the way. Of people connecting with the church but at the same time we can do all the right things and we think that we got all this we don't need these things anymore yes we do you know it doesn't take a leading of the spirit to door greet you can walk into a restaurant and they have a host or a hostess hi how are you how many tonight what kind of table do you want they're not being led by the spirit it's just you know good customer service Okay, so it doesn't need that. So, so we, we, we got all these things that's gonna cause us to move forward. We got relevant language and, and creativity. Or we have a mindset that this is not relevant strategy. I mean, people are not moved by this stuff anymore. Well, Jesus said this. These signs will follow those who believe. The Greek word is simeon. That word means this. It's an official written notice. It's a signature guarantee guaranteeing a document's authenticity it's a marker that locates key locations so what signs and wonders are they're really this they're God's signature on your life it's God telling the person you're talking to you he or she is the real thing this message that they're sharing with you is the real thing and they wake up to that. So yeah, absolutely, we can be creative, we can be relevant, we can do all the things right, we can do great customer service, but when they have an encounter with a living God through us, they're thinking there's just something real about that person. And it's God's signature on your life. The second is this, we lack expectancy. We lack expectancy. Jesus says these signs will accompany those who believe. The Greek word parakaluthio means to go somewhere alongside. It's a picture of commitment to another person. It's the same word that means that whoever wants to be my disciple, they must pick up their cross and follow me. It's the same word. It means coming alongside of another with loyal commitment. So here's the issue. You're thinking, God, you just got to bring signs and wonders. And signs and wonders are absolutely loyally committed to you. You're trying, where are you? Right here. Where are you? Right next to you. Where are you? In you. Where are you? Right now, I'm here. See, you're kind of excited about this night. I am. Because we gotta get this. We gotta know that this thing is committed to us. It's not something we gotta get into us. It's already committed to following us. Jesus said that. Third thing is we run out of faith gas. I'm not talking about methane. Run out of gas in athletics, you just kinda lose oxygen. You, I can't run anymore, I, I gotta drop out of the workout. I, I'm out of gas. I gotta pull to the side. I gotta get myself out of the game. These signs follow believing people, not once believing people. It's the tense of the verb in this is a continue believing, a progressive believing, an ongoing believing. I mean, I used to have faith for these things. God bless you. But well, your faith of yesterday will not help you now. You gotta kind of go back up there and wake it up. You gotta get it back in shape. I tell people who wanna get into exercising again after laying around for 20 years, I always say there's an athlete's body in there. Say, well, I'll get, I'll get a six-pack someday. No, it's in there. You got, you got washboard abs in there. It's just covered up with stuff. Okay, we gotta get it away. Okay, in you is faith again, that you gotta get going again. The spirit of faith, the confession of faith, the pursuit of faith, it's ongoing. It's, Jesus didn't say these signs follow for those that once believed in the past, but ones that are believing now. The, the next one is that we fear, we fear presumption. We fear presumption. What do we mean by fearing presumption? I'm gonna go back to just to make sure what we, no, I got it right here. We fear presumption. Presumption is this. Believing for something that God has not ordained. We're afraid that we're believing in something that God said, um, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't what I have revealed to you. You're going after something. I, it was never my intention to work through. And maybe, maybe when we're gonna get to heaven, God is gonna rebuke us and say, you know, what, what were you thinking? Why were you asking me for that? That was never in my heart. And why would you say, Bob, then it is in God's heart for us to do this? Well, well, first we have the Bible. The Bible says, pursue love and pursue spiritual gifts." Spiritual gifts are revelation and power and, and the work of the Holy Spirit to do something in someone's life. So I have the Bible. I have Matthew 10 when Jesus sent out his 12. I have Luke 10 when Jesus sent out his 70. Both those were training missions for when he would ascend to heaven. Okay, that's what they were. So we have that. We have Acts 1-5. You're going to be my witnesses after the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses to do that. We have 1 Corinthians 14 that gives us all the instruction of how to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're not on presumptuous grounds. We're on solid grounds to be believing for God to do this. One other thing that kind of missed my PowerPoint, so well, I got a little goofed up around here. We 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 believe, and this won't be just write this down. I don't have a slide on it. We 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 look at signs and wonders as magic tricks. In other words, we think that people who do this are kind of playing with God, or doing some parlor gifts, or doing manipulation type things to persuade people, you know, to come to Jesus. Or we're looking for quick fixes and just you know pray this prayer and and let me lay hands and say these words and get this picture and everything's going to be all, re- all good in your life. And we kind of we're just playing tricks with God well you know what debilitated people need a physical touch now people who are bankrupt financially need the intervention of heaven in their business their job they they need a miracle of provision if you've ever been without money I mean you don't know how to pay your next bill you know what I'm talking about You need God to show up with those crows, with with that food. You need God to make some manna appear. You need heaven to come in your life. Someone who is addicted to something needs God to take the key of the power of heaven and unlock the shackles from their life. People who are believing a lie need that lie removed from their head. Come on, these are signs of Jesus bringing his rule in the kingdom of God. The other reason why we don't see signs and wonders is we fear abuses. We fear abuses. There's... There's no getting around that there's been some strange human behavior with the Pentecostal church. We were once called holy what? Rollers. That's why. There was a reason why we were called holy rollers. Why? Because we were rolling all over the place. Okay, we were running down the aisles. You know, we were, we were, we were having all sorts of things that we would kind of show off our spirituality by acting weird or subhuman. And uh, just we, we, we feel like, you know, if we do that, then we're spiritual. And I've watched people do that. We had a lady in our church that every time we'd sing a song, she would get, like, deep pains like this. I'd be looking out in the congregation, and she'd be like, oh. And that was the sign that the anointing of God came on her. I just felt like get an ambulance and take her to the hospital and, you know, get her appendix taken out or something. It was just, it was just strange and weird. Every time we could be dancing full of celebration, she'd be like, oh. That was a sign the anointing of God was on her. I mean, with behavior like that, who who would want that? We could we could be biblical and we've had strange doctrines. All the strange doctrines have come out of the Pentecostal church. You don't, you know, you don't really hear strange doctrines coming out of Baptists. You don't see anything else coming out of them sometimes, but you don't see it. you only see strange doctrines. They got it down right and they say it right and it's good. And I appreciate that. I I found this about the devil, is that he, if you're conservative, if we just play it safe, we don't stir anything up, we don't get on any edge, he seems to leave us alone. But when we we see that God wants to do something that's going to be a little bit out of our box and out of our comfort zone, and, and maybe it's something that it's been in the Bible, Ben hasn't seen it before, but it's there, it's very clear and we start moving at it, it just seems like Satan likes to join the party. He has a philosophy, if you can't beat them, join them. And he gets us to be weird. He gets us to think weird. He gets us to do extreme things, thinking somehow that brings the power of God. You know, you can be spiritually natural, and you can be naturally spiritual. You don't have to be, you don't have to put on some personality to be quote-unquote Anointed. We believe also that the, the content of a message is more important than the sign that accompanies that. You know, if there's no power with the message, it's just words. Now, you go to Romans 7, Paul said this. He said, there, There's no life in the letter, just the letter itself, there's no life in. But life is in the newness of the Spirit. Now this works together with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works together with this. But they don't work separate. And one end we got weirdos here. On the other end we got people just doing all sorts of wacky things that are not in the, I mean I mean, we have people just kind of giving you the Bible. There's no life, there's no power in it. This is only as power as, this, as, the, as, as the Spirit working through the text in the heart of the person. And so the, the the sign, the wonder confirms and clarifies and strengthens and causes people to believe in the content of that message. The ninth thing is that we believe, we believe miracles lessen the farther we move out from the historical Jesus, from the historical Jesus of Nazareth. In other words, we believe that Jesus did these miracles and then he gave them to the apostles and I one Bible teacher that I love to read all the time I just read it this last week and then when he got to the apostles they lessened no they didn't you go to the island of Malta everyone Paul prayed for in the island of Malta in the book of Acts were healed you go to the book of Acts everybody that the apostles prayed for were healed they were all healed now, there were scriptures where people didn't get healed, but probably in Jesus' ministry, there were people that got healed. At the pool of Bethesda, Jesus only healed one guy. He didn't say, everybody else, anybody else want some? He healed one guy. And so they didn't listen. Then they said, well, then they went from the the apostles to the what we'll call the, the patriarchal fathers, the the, the, called the patristic fathers that they gave them to, the, they passed the church on to and then went into the dark ages and the reformation and modern evangelicalism and it's just been waning and waning and waning we got a little bit of remnant of this just a little bit of crumbs from the power of 2,000 years ago but it's not the same well first that's not true second it's because it's not true here it doesn't mean it's not true Augustine of Hippo, which you know as St. Augustine, wrote about all sorts of miracles in his time, in his city. Everything from demon expulsions to people getting healed. At the same time, his counterpart, John Chrysostom, they called the golden mouth preacher, he wrote that the, 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 the miracles and the gifts of the Spirit have now ceased. Both lived at the same time. It was his local experience that made him interpret what was going on. And so they were alive. But the second thing is nothing's gonna happen if we don't have expectation. Right. Nothing's gonna happen if we don't believe for now. Lastly is this. We want to, um, there's two more things I should say. We want to tame down Jesus. What do you mean we want to tame down Jesus? We, we are creating a, a lot of Jesus around our, our lives right now and in the body of Christ. We want to balance Jesus we want a partying Jesus. We want a we want a Jesus who's a funny Jesus. We want a cherry picking subjects to talk about Jesus. We want a everybody likes me Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. We want to keep taming Jesus down to be someone he's not. Imagine Mary. Just to, I want to take you back in a little. Conversation she's having with her kids when they were probably elementary school age, you know, 10, 11, 12. You know, my grandson Scout's almost getting there and, you know, to that age. And, and she's asking the kids, you know, what do you want to do with your life? She asks maybe one of Jesus' sisters, what do, what do you want to do with your life? We'll call her Anna. I don't know what his sister's name were. We know he had sisters. And she said, Mom, I want to be a good Jewish mother like you. That's just, I want to be a great mother of my kids. That's what I want to do. I to sell a little real estate like that, Proverbs 31 woman. That was kind of cool. And I'd like to get into that, but that's what I would like to do. James, because we know James was the brother of Jesus. And what would you like to do? I'd like to follow through on uh, my father's Joseph's carpentry business. I love carpentry and I love the, 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 the cabinet making shop and building things. And I'd really like to have a real successful business, kind of upgrade Nazareth here and kind of spread out to the other cities around Galilee. Jesus. Yeshua, what do, you, what do you want to do? Well, Mom, I, I want to just travel around a 24-mile sphere. I don't want to heal everything that's debilitated and sick in that region. Then I want to declare that our Jewish institution is coming to an end. And I want to expose the half-heartedness of our leaders and tell them to repent before God. And then what I want to do is I want to die for the sins of the world so they all can have a relationship with my father. And so I'm going to provoke them to kill me. Mom, I'm out for a fight. Oh, Jesus is just a wonderful young man. He's, just, he's got big dreams. We, we always want to tame Jesus down. We can't tame Jesus down. He, he hates evil. We can't tame Jesus down. He he weeps for the broken. I, mean, I was reading Psalm 145 and Psalm 146. It's you know it's God in the heavens, but he always comes down to the brokenhearted and the wounded. And, you know, that's Jesus, a smoking flax, he wouldn't quench. A broken reed, a broken weed, he wouldn't break. I mean, those things angered Christ. He wanted to reverse those things. He wanted to call people to complete dedication. And he, hated religious hypocrisy. That's the Jesus we we always want to tame. But we got to get a little stirred up ourselves to bring the power of God. And the last is we don't want to pay the price to walk in God's power. It's not the price of asceticism where we give up dilly bars. We give up this, we give up that, we give up this. But it's complete submission to the voice and the leading of the Spirit. Starting with the Bible. The Bible says this, 2 Peter 1.20. No scripture's been given to us by private interpretation, but holy men of God were moved upon by the Holy Spirit and prophesied. This book was written by the Holy Spirit. If I don't listen to this book, how am I gonna listen to the voice of the Spirit in any other area of my life. If I close my ears to this, I'm closing my ears to all voices of God. So it starts here, that's how I start. Worship team, why don't you come on up here. It starts with this, and then it turns out I gotta listen to them all through the day. God's talking to you all the time, and the issue is you gotta step out and do. And half the time when you step out and do, you you kinda get back in your car, and you say, that was really stupid of me. I mean, I really made a fool out of myself. And you have the second-guessing things going on. You get the self-evaluating thing going on. And then you say, well, if that was wrong with what I said to that person. Well, here's a question. What if you were right? What if you were right? I prayed for that person and nothing happened. Well, maybe something didn't happen then, but something could have happened eventually on that. You don't know. Your job is not to evaluate. Your job is to step out and move on what the spirit of God's telling you. Your job is to do devotions. And what happened today? When God told me I gotta be more forgiving, there's three people I gotta go ask forgiveness for for being bitter towards them. And now you're having devotions. I mean I told me really to submit. I'm going to listen to my wife, or listen to my husband. I've just been stubborn. He told me, "Humble myself under the mighty hand of God, he lift me up." I got to humble myself to my leaders and my community group and my friends and I cuz he said he would lift me up. Not now, now. We're starting to know what it is to interact with the word of God and the voice of God. And then he says, "I want you to go talk to that lady at the grocery cart there outside of Fred Meyer's. I want you to pray for her. I want you to go give money to that Young lady there was crying with her child who's holding his hands. Something's wrong, she needs money. Whatever money you got on I want you to give money to that person right now, right now, but I'm not worthy. Got it, we got it, that's okay. We got that down, agreed. We all agree, you're not worthy. That's irrelevant, that's an irrelevant argument. This whole thing's by grace. He still told you to go do it. The issue is are you worthy now to go do what he tells you to do? Not that you're worthy to carry the Holy Spirit, you're not. He made you worthy. He made you worthy. And this is why, this is why there's a difference between legalism and relationship. This is about us in, in communion with the Holy Spirit, communion with the word of God, communion with the voice of God, following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, God releases his power. But there is an absolute price for following the leading of the Spirit. It's gonna cost you, it's gonna cost you time it's going to cost you your nerves. It's going to cost you persecution. It's going to cost you probably money. It's going to cost you a lot of time. It's not an easy life. You don't get to put a lot of margins on this. The Holy Spirit will break down your margins. And You'll have boundaries. Well, sometimes you'll put a dynamite stick in those boundaries, and you'll know what it is to so follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, tired. Leading the Holy Spirit with your own rights being violated. Leading the Holy Spirit, being misunderstood. Leading the Holy Spirit, here's one, being rejected. I don't want that. Leading the Holy Spirit, oh, there's Pete, oh, Pete. He just feels like God's always saying something to him. Oh, Pete. Pete has to walk as an oddball, trying to get a hold of the voice of God in his life. But that's okay. He'll hit it. He'll nail it. You need to read the stories, the biographies of people God used. It wasn't that they did a bunch of suffering before the power came. When the power came, that's when the that's, that's what separated the men from the boys. That's when they really had to pick up the cross. We've got to be willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand to our feet.